asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. have the best listeners. Did you know that? I, I do. <laughs> For we, sure. We've got listeners who entrust us with major financial decisions. And, you know, I don't know if they just do whatever it is that we say. Hopefully not, right? <laughs> Hopefully folks are also doing their own due diligence. But it truly is an honor for us to hear these questions. We think about them. We try to provide some thoughtful responses. And hopefully we are able to help folks out, right? I mean, that's the whole point that we have uh, the Ask How to Money episode, because we want to be able to hear directly from our listeners with specific questions that you have about your money. And uh, hopefully we get you at least pointed in the right direction. Yeah, and for the listeners who are willing to record their voice and send it in, not only hopefully does this advice help those people out, the individuals that are sending in their actual questions, but I think at the same time, this advice is often widely applicable to most of our listeners. So in my mind, it's kind of like uh, bookmarking a page in a book that you can go back to for for reference. Sometimes right. these questions, it's like, well, I'm not in that position right now. Not yet. Yeah, you might be in the future. and, and or it But might that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I would do. And sometimes at least there's a nugget of personal finance education inside of a question that maybe you thought didn't apply to you too. So that's the cool thing about these questions. Yeah, It's like we, we try to, uh, at the same time, answer the specific question. We want to extrapolate something even more important to in the personal finance realm. 
So hopefully these five listeners and all of our listeners can learn something from today's episode. Yeah. And so when it comes to personal finance, man, these are things that we've thought about a lot, right? We do a good bit of reading on personal finance. And not only do we you know, provide what we think are the right answers, but we, we try to live it as well. Uh, I feel like this is one area that we are, you know, we're kind of experts at. One area that we're not experts at uh, is uh, how we treat our computers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like this is a, a frugal or cheap segment here. Sort of. The, the other day, you you mentioned to me that you had refused to update your Mac software, your Mac OS, for almost three years. I think uh, definitely over two years. <laughs> and it's not that I had refused. Let me explain to you or explain to all of our listeners why it is that I didn't update my computer. And it's because I knew that uh, the ex- the version of Excel that I was running on my computer that once I updated the computer, it wouldn't be able to run that old legacy software. I was going to have to then switch to the subscription model where you're paying a monthly fee right, or an annual fee. And I didn't want to do that. Honestly, I wanted to be able to explore and see if I could do the same things that I was doing within Excel for free. right? Like That's a frugal move. Uh, you know, Macs, they come with numbers. Google Sheets, that also exists. And there's a lot that you can do within those two programs. And so I try, but it turns out you can't do some of the more advanced things that uh, that I do in Excel because you know I'm a I'm an Excel nerd, and there's <laughs> specific uh, there's certain things that I really like that uh, how Excel does it, and you can't do some of those things within Sheets or Numbers. But even still, that doesn't excuse why I didn't update my computer because this is definitely not a best practice to forego to, to skip an update for yeah close to two years. I think every day I was going up to the top right corner and clicking maybe uh, remind me tomorrow maybe <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the drop down thing is. I think I did that for a long time. I'm surprised at some point Apple didn't start sending you like Tim Cook memes like come on dude it's time now make it happen. <laughs> No, I think it did the opposite. Like it got to a point to where I don't think it was reminding me anymore. It's like, okay, this guy does not care. He's We're, a lost cause. Lost cause, exactly. But you know, when you don't update your software like that, you're more susceptible to potential viruses and maybe even hackers that could access your computer. So this is one way that I would say, don't follow our advice, or, or in this case, don't do what it is that we or that I did. Yeah, don't, don't put this on me. <laughs> I update my hey, this stuff. Is, this is us collectively, buddy. This is how to money. <laughs> okay. So all that to say, though, I, you know, finally bit the bullet. We purchased Microsoft 365. It's the subscription model. And then I was finally able to update to the latest OS on the computer. Oh my gosh, there's so many great great things that you can do on it now. <laughs> cool new sounds. <laughs> I still had like the old school, you know, copy and paste sounds and throw it in the trash sounds. The new ones are nice. Uh, well, I'm glad you like it. And, and the new Excel is fantastic as well, by the way. I, I had the same version from like 10 years ago. I feel like that was probably cheap of you to hold yes, off yeah, on the update that long. Definitely. But I, I understand the sentiment, right? You don't want something to become obsolete. And that's part of, you know, we talked about forced obsolescence, uh, I don't know, six months ago. And there is a certain amount of that going on. And, and there's also a trend in software where these companies want you to sign up for a recurring subscription. Yeah, they want those predictable revenue streams, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that can stink for you if like you're like, well, I just really want this one program, not the whole suite. Right. And exactly. I don't want to spend 80 bucks a year. I want to spend 80 bucks and then own it. But that's just less and less the case. Um, and I think you know sometimes it can work out to, to people's benefits. But for the most part, often it ends up to our financial detriment. Totally. Yeah. Oh, and, and one little tip, you mentioned 80 bucks. That actually is the price if you pay for it month by month. Uh, it's, I think it's over 80 bucks. But if you uh, jump on that annual price, you know, you get to save like, what, 15% or something like that. There you go. So make sure you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about paying for things uh, in advance. That's what we do with like cell phone service, right? We pay for oh, yeah. a year in advance to get the best deal or, or three months in advance. Those are the kind of things. It's like, that's good for your personal finances, man. Get it out of the way, get the best deal and pay a, a chunk at a time. Yeah, you're, you're going to pay for it anyway. You may as well pay for it all 
all at once and get the best deal. Same with auto insurance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, Matt. Well, let's mention the beer that we're having on the show today. This one's called It's Tiki Time, and it's a fruited smoothie sour by Westbrook Brewing Company out of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. We'll give our thoughts on this one at the end of the episode. But for now, let's get to the subject at hand. We're answering listener questions. And for anybody out there who wants to submit a money question for Matt and I to tackle on a future episode, just go to our website, howtomoney.com slash ask. There are simple instructions there. It'll take you just a few minutes to submit your question that we can include on a future episode. And our first question of the day comes from listener Adam. This one's about selling investments in order to pay off debt. Hey guys, I had a recent death in the family which left me with about 10K in debt. I have three grand in savings and I've been steadily investing in a Robinhood account and have gotten it to about 8K. I have a decent job. My question is, should I sell all my investments and clear out the debt? Or just pay off what I can with savings and work the rest off and just deal with the credit card interest? Is it worth it to sell off my investments to pay off this debt? Thank you. Cheers. Adam, thanks so much for that question. And let's go ahead and dive in, man. When you sell investments, there are going to be tax consequences, right? It's almost never worth getting hit on the chin with a tax bill by selling investments in order to pay off debt. You know, but that also depends on some of the uh, the specifics, right? So for instance, uh, you didn't mention what kind of account you have or how long you've been invested. Uh, however, you did mention Robinhood. So my guess is that your money is in a brokerage account. And so if you've held uh, certain positions for longer than a year, uh, you might owe nothing in tax, which is great. Uh, but you know, that does depend on your adjusted gross income uh, as well as the corresponding capital gains rates. Oh, yeah. So depending on how much money Adam makes every year or how much money he makes as reflected in the AGI on his tax return, it has an impact on the capital gains rate that he pays. And some people who have a lower earnings level do qualify to pay 0% in capital gains. Yeah, definitely. So you got to do some calculations there. You got to do some of that math. Most people are in the kind of the 15% range. Uh, but if you sold an investment that you've had for less than a year, uh, you would owe ordinary income tax on that sale. So for instance, uh, if uh, there's someone out there who jumped on the, the bandwagon and rode the wave up and made some money on GameStop a few weeks ago, you remember how, how hot it was uh, back there? It was it was <laughs> hot for, for a hot minute. But in an instance like that, you are definitely going to be owing tax. Yeah, that's the thing about day trading or owning something for a really short period of time. You could potentially owe more in taxes because your tax rate on the profit is based on ordinary income tax. Um, and, and Matt, let's talk about this too. Let's say Adam's money, instead of being in a brokerage account, was in a Roth IRA instead. Well, I think taking some of his contributions out in order to pay off higher interest rate debt, like credit card debt, would be a, a much better idea in that case. There are no tax consequences when we're talking about pulling out that Roth money and when we're talking about something as awful as credit card debt, I think it's pretty close to a no-brainer. But since it doesn't sound like Adam's got a Roth IRA, then I don't think it applies to him. But just I think it's a helpful note for other people out there, which kind of account you have is part of the determining factor as to whether it's a good idea or not. And Adam, at the same time, you mentioned potentially using your $30,000 in savings in order to get rid of that debt. But if that's the total of what you have in an emergency fund, if that's all the savings that you have in your name, then we would want you to actually keep those funds intact for now. We actually want you moving forward and operating from the standpoint of having some margin in your life. So we would suggest not getting rid of all that savings at this time and coming up with a debt payoff plan that helps you pay off that $10,000 in a specific time frame that hopefully doesn't take too long. 
Yeah, having that money set aside there in that emergency fund, it's not necessarily just about the numbers. It's not about the percentage rates. Uh, a lot of that is psychological as well. And, and knowing that you've got that cushion there is uh, really important, Adam. Uh, it's also important, too, to pinpoint you know, how you let that credit card debt get out of control. You know, It sounds like this was because of uh, costs associated with the loss of a loved one. We are sorry to hear that, Adam. Uh, we hope that you and your family are doing well emotionally now. And it's helpful to know that your debt accumulation came from something unexpected and sudden, right? Because the way it happens for most folks is that slowly and steadily over time, they spend more than they bring in, uh, and they are putting those expenses on plastic. And so for folks that find themselves in that boat, it's crucial to uh, address that immediately. You know, it doesn't help to do something major like selling investments in order to pay down debt when you are going to continue to spend. You have to address that root cause. It makes me think of, uh, I just said boat, it makes me think of like if you're in a little boat or like a canoe and there's a hole in it, you don't want to focus all of your efforts on just bailing that water out of the boat. What you want to do, you want to focus your efforts on plugging the hole. Once that hole is plugged, once you've addressed the actual problem, uh, then you can begin to get yourself into a better situation. All right. So let's say you're in the middle of the ocean and your canoe is filling up with water, Matt. How do you plug that canoe? By changing your spending habits, Joel. <laughs> this is, that's, I mean, it's brilliant. It's not, it's not the perfect analogy, but, uh, but <laughs> no, but, I totally know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you just gotta address that root cause, man. And then after that, you get the water out of there. You get, you get that boat riding a little bit higher. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right, uh, well, we got more questions to get to, including whether an extended warranty on a car is a good thing, and ditching an old store credit card. We'll get to those right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs 
and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we are back and we've got a car question. Let's hear it. Hey, how to money? Um, so I'm a first time car buyer refinancing a car loan. And I wanted to know, is the extended service protection ever worth it? Because my car is like getting up to about 60,000 miles. Um, and I know that that's around the time that things start to break. So is it worth it? Or should I do something else? Thank you. All right, this question came from Autumn. Autumn, thanks for sending in this question. Let's talk about extended warranties. And how they actually kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> They're not great. This is an area uh, that is rife with financial potholes for people. If you purchase an extended warranty from a dealership or a private company, there's a really good chance that you would be flushing money down the toilet, that the warranty is, is worth almost nothing, even though you're paying a whole heck of a lot of money for it. The only extended warranties that aren't completely awful are the ones that you would buy directly from the car manufacturer itself. But even still, the average cost of one of those warranties is in the neighborhood of $1,500. Ouch. And the fine print can make them a bad bet because that warranty might not cover the issues that your car is having. You might be having brake troubles, but guess what? It only covers the drivetrain. And so if you do opt to purchase an extended warranty, pay special attention to what that warranty actually promises to repair. You're going to want to make sure you actually read it. Uh, I think most of us, Matt, would uh, take the salesperson's word on it, and we wouldn't read the fine print of a contract that we were signing in this case. But when you're talking about this amount of money, you have to do your own due diligence, and you have to make sure you know what you're signing, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, that's right, man. These extended warranties are essentially overpriced insurance plans that they don't work out for a large percentage of folks. Uh, and in almost all cases, you'd be better off by self-insuring, uh, by socking that money away into your savings account. For us, what that means is uh, every month we set aside 30 bucks into uh, a savings bucket that is dedicated towards uh, car maintenance expenses, right? And so what that means is that that's uh, when we get oil changes, it comes out of that. Uh, but then every year there's enough kind of left over that it builds over time. And that way, over the years, we have enough set aside there for some of those larger scheduled maintenance expenses, you know, like 100,000 miles. Uh, they want to get in there and like do a lot of work, yeah. <laughs> really switch things up, uh, like change out your spark plugs, I think. We don't know a whole lot about cars. <laughs> 
But I do know that they do a lot more work uh, at some of those higher mileage services. Yeah, and you know, fr- talking about frugal or cheap earlier in the episode, it's uh, cheap not to get that work done. You know, because you, you want your car to last for long haul. It's like not changing the filters in your furnace. Like <laughs> that's just right. not a good idea. You're gonna end up paying more for it in the long haul if you don't. <laughs> it's like the uh, the warning or the thing popping up saying, "Hey, it's time to update your software," and you just keep <laughs> <laughs> keep dismissing it. Uh, you definitely don't want to do that when it comes to your car. When you see the uh, check engine light come on, if it says low low oil. There's no reset button, you know, like, like that's not, <laughs> oh, how do I get that to go away? Yeah. You go get the oil change. That's yeah, yeah you exactly. It. You have to take care of, especially something like that. That's mechanical. Yeah. And let, let's talk about two. Autumn actually mentioned in her email. She didn't mention it in the question. She talked about the kind of car that she has and she has a 2018 Kia Soul. And I think Matt too, it's important to know what kind of vehicle you have. Do you have a vehicle that's reliable historically or that is unreliable historically? Yeah. Do you have a Mazda or do you have a Jeep Wrangler? <laughs> <laughs> right. Do, are you driving something that's, uh, bound to fall apart in no time or a car that generally uh, has very few issues and you know i looked up autumn's car on uh, consumer reports and i think consumer reports and jd power are great websites to check to see what range your car falls into and the 2018 kia soul consumer reports gives it a five out of five on the reliability scale it doesn't get better than that and so yeah. uh, when you own a car that is super reliable it makes even less financial sense to go in for the extended warranty if you had a uh, pretty unreliable car, then it does put another check mark in the column of potentially getting an extended warranty. But even then, I think oftentimes the best method of insurance is what you mentioned, Matt. It's self-insurance. It's having money on hand to pay for potential repairs to a car. Even when you have an unreliable car, it often doesn't make sense to go in that direction. Yeah. And generally speaking too, I saw that, I mean, Kia, I, I was looking at the report as well. And like the last five years, like 2015, up until like 2019, the Kia Soul was great. Something happened in 2020. Did you see that? Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> like something was really wrong with the transmission. New model? Sometimes it's like year. new yes. models yeah. happen. Yeah. It seems like they got that figured out. So that's good. <laughs> but Autumn, you uh, you quickly mentioned too the fact that you're considering this in the, the middle of uh, your car loan refinance. And so definitely make sure that you're shopping around for that refi as rates uh, are incredibly low these days. Just like we mentioned a couple of weeks ago on our credit unions episode, you can often find the absolute best rates at a local credit union. Uh, one of the ones, Joel, that you and I are a member of here in Atlanta, depending on the age of the vehicle, you can get a, a rate between two and a half and three percent. That's really good. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. L- rates are low, so shop around. So good luck, Autumn. Keep saving your money for potential repairs that you need to make and maybe uh, forego the extended warranty at this point in time. All right, Matt, let's get to our next question. This one comes from a listener right up Interstate 75 up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hi, guys. My name is Tyler, uh, also an avid beer drinker from Chattanooga, Tennessee. So just uh, throwing out there that I'd like to recommend that you guys try out Hutton and Smith. But my question today is about credit cards. Uh, years ago, I had a store credit card from Sears, which automatically got rolled over into a Sears MasterCard. And with the failure, Sears later got rolled over into a Sears Citibank card. I'm an avid traveler. The card really doesn't work for me anymore. It doesn't have any protection against international fees and so on and so forth. Um, For a long time now, I've looked into getting rid of it, but there's so many websites, uh, all the famous ones, NerdWallet and et cetera, like get another one before you delete a credit card. I'd like to get your guys' opinion on what a guy should do. Uh, I can get a better credit card. I'm in a decent financial position. I just want to hear what you guys have to say. Thank you. 
Nice. Tyler, good to hear from you. And thanks so much, too, for that recommendation. Uh, we've not been to that brewery. Neither you. You haven't been there, Rachel. No. Yeah, no, I've not I, been there either. I do love a good Chattanooga visit every once in a while. It's been a while, so maybe I'll need to make it up back we, up there with the fam. We've like driven through there and like stopped a little bit, but we've never done like a day trip. Like Sometimes folks will go up there and kind of like spend the day and do a bunch of Chattanooga stuff, explore a different city. We've never done that. It's worth it. It's yeah? a great spot. Yeah. Nice. We'll have to do that soon. But uh, Tyler, let's get to your question here. You're talking about store cards. And you know, dishing a store card is... It's not a bad move, but uh, let's first explain why that is, uh, and that's because store cards, in general, they're not that great. They typically come with higher fees uh, and interest rates than regular credit cards, uh, and so people will often sign up for one to you know, score a discount uh, right there on the spot on one purchase. Ooh, 20% off this new pair of jeans? I'm in. I've, I've done it before. Like, <laughs> years ago, I fell prey to that. Who hasn't, though, uh, right? But, you know, but after that, you know, the card, it doesn't do much good for you, and so avoiding most store credit cards is a good idea. Uh, there are exceptions, though, for, for stores like Amazon, uh, Target, Costco, one of your favorite stores, obviously, Joel, uh, where you can reap consistently better rewards at the retailers that you love. Um, you know, Oftentimes, you can get 5% cash back if you have the store-specific card, and you can also get benefits, too, when you use them elsewhere. So those are good cards to have. But like the Gap card or the Banana Republic card, you don't really want those cards. <laughs> right. Emily still has my wife. She's got the holdover Gap card, I Does think. Does she really? It's like the last <laughs> store card that she's got. But yeah, a lot of people, a lot of kids in the mall were duped into signing up for those early on in their lives, and then yeah, at some point you just kind of hang on to them. Yeah, and somehow they, I mean, they get woven into your credit history, and you're just like, like, do I want to extract that from my credit history? Like, what's that going to do to your credit? And that's basically what Tyler's asking here. Yeah, so let's talk about specifics. How you move forward, Tyler? If you have an average credit score, let's say around 700 then we definitely recommend that you get another credit card or maybe even two before closing this one credit card. Closing the old card, even though it's a store card, is going to hurt your utilization ratio and your credit history. And if you have a score that is only borderline solid, that could ding your score enough to where you wouldn't be approved for that new credit card. So that's why you need to make sure you're approved for this next card uh, with a solid limit first before you end up closing this one. But if you have a really, really high credit score, like above 800, then the order just doesn't matter as much. I think another thing that matters when we're talking about the order in which you do these things is, are, are there any other loans you're looking to take out in the near term? If you are, like, let's say, in the market to buy a house, or you're planning to buy a car and you need to take out a loan on that vehicle, well, your credit score is going to be paramount to getting the best rates, the best terms. Uh, and so you don't want to do anything to jeopardize your credit standing. And even though it's totally fine, I think, to cut this store credit card out of your life, you want to make sure you're doing it in a way that's not going to hurt you in other financial endeavors that you're predicting in. Yeah, that's right. And so, Tyler, it sounds like you are in a good position to do that, to, to go ahead and get that you know those new cards, which we're glad to hear. Uh, and that will ensure that you have another excellent card or two to use for your regular transactions. Ideally, we're fans of people having a few different uh, credit cards in their wallet or purse to maximize their rewards, depending on where it is that they're spending their money. Uh, there's actually a new article up on the site, up there at howtomoney.com, uh, where we outline why you should have a few cards and how to make sure that you're getting the most bang for your buck with those cards. Uh, and we'll make sure to link to that article in our show notes. Yeah, I think some people, Matt, stick to one card and they use it for everything. But there are multiple reasons why you should have more than one card. We dive into that in that article. And yeah, you can check it out on our website. But let's get to a couple more questions, including one from Devin coming up later. Should I become an insurance salesman? Hmm. Yeah, we're going to help Devin decide his future. <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> and more right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. 
So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop Mm -hmm. they were fresh out of the oven they had that perfectly flaky crust but guess what that serendipitous experience would never had happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel we had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town thanks to airbnb ah man i'm still dreaming about those meat pies you're making my (laughs) you're making me drool and while turning to airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, we're back from the break. Before we get to that question about becoming an insurance salesperson, we have another career-related question. Let's go ahead and hear that one. Hi, Matt and Joel. I wanted to 
ask you about a potential loss of income. I'm considering quitting my job after being there for about two and a half years post-undergraduate. I've been considering leaving my company for a while now, and in the past few months, I've received a few job offers, but didn't consider that any of them right for me. I'm continuing to look. However, I've noticed applying and interviewing for jobs is hard to do while in my current time-intensive role. There are some, also some other things I'd like to learn through some online classes, as eventually I'd like to be an independent consultant within my field. However, taking classes currently seems to be a bit too much to take on right now. I currently still live at home with my parents and have little expenses besides student loan debt, which I currently have 30000 of. I could pay a large sum of this off, given I have about 35000 in a high-yield savings account and 10000 in a more accessible savings account. I am looking to shift some of the money from my current savings account into my brokerage account where I currently have 20000 invested in total S&P 500 index funds. I also am fully vested after being at the company for two years with about 20000 in my 401k and fully funded Roth IRAs for the 2020. I want to get your perspective on if leaving my job to attain some of those other goals, such as finding a new position or taking classes, is worth the loss of income. And if you have any advice for someone preparing to leave their job without another active job offer, thanks and looking forward to hearing your opinions on this. All right, Matt. So this question uh, comes from an anonymous listener, understandably, thinking about quitting her job. She didn't want to reveal her name on the podcast. Fair enough. But instead of going anonymous, I prefer to go fake name. I would go as uh, Jean-Claude, I think. (laughs) What did you say, Jean-Claude? Yeah. That's... That's a dude's name, typically, right? No, I mean, but that's what I, that was what my fake name would be. I'm not telling her that that needs to be her fake name. Well, why would you give yourself a fake name? If, if I was you're... calling into a show, if I was submitting a question, <laughs> I would go as Jean Claude. Like I, I just have a big affinity for the movie Bloodsport, Jean Claude Van Damme okay, in general. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. All right, fine. I get it. That'd be my made-up name. But let's answer this anonymous question <laughs> without further ado. <laughs> Honestly, anonymous, I would say it's it's refreshing uh, how picky you are when it comes to taking another job, and you're in the position I would say to be picky considering how little your expenses are, and how big your savings are. Right. Uh, most people have fewer options when it comes to job offers because of their lack of savings. They're essentially almost forced to take the next job offer that comes their way. Yeah, they don't have a choice. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've, I have had friends in that position, and I hate it for them. That oftentimes means less pay because of that, because they, they just need a job, and they need an income immediately. So congrats on your diligence on that. And, and two, Matt, that hard work has gotten uh, her to the point of having what you and I like to call peace out money. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked about that back in episode 135 quite a while back. But peace out money allows you to step away from a job that you don't love before you find another job or go back to school. Having that peace out money puts you in charge. And I, we would say that this is a particularly good use of it. Making sure that, that peace out money is easy to access if you're making a big move is important. And, and you actually mentioned putting more of your savings into your investment account, but that might be less than ideal for the time being if you need to live on that money uh, if you're out of the workforce for an extended period. That's right. And by the way, we call it peace out money. A lot of people call it FU money. And we prefer peace out money because it's a little more diplomatic. And we honestly feel that that's a better way to, to leave your job uh, on better terms because you never know where you might end up. You might cross paths with those folks. And in her case as well, she's talking about becoming an independent consultant within that field. So she probably would uh, cross paths again with some of those folks. Don't want to burn those bridges on the way out. Yeah, exactly. And so you're obviously not being flippant with your money or with this decision. And what we would normally recommend for folks that if you leave without having another job, that you need to have significant savings to back that up. And you do. uh, So you really have the ability to, to kind of chart your own course here. And something else too, if you're not already doing this, it might be helpful to track your expenses so that you can literally map out how long your savings will last you. Uh, This will help you to to set some hard dates uh, on the calendar. 
that way if you haven't found the, the perfect job or, or in your case maybe if you haven't yet created the you know the new perfect job uh, or if you haven't completed those additional courses uh, then you would know it's time to kind of move on with something that will allow you to at least cover your your basic expenses so that you can maintain uh, that solid financial footing that you are finding yourself in currently yeah, man, I agree. Having that plan, having a timeline is so important as you're moving forward. You want to know how long those funds are actually going to last you. Totally. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a good suggestion. I think, too, yeah, one other thing to be cognizant of in the situation is to think about your resume. And if you decide not to go back to school, but you instead maybe decide to take some time off to look for a job that's a better fit for you, and you quit now, but you're still searching for work, be aware that some employers are going to see that break in employment history as a potential negative. You'll want to be ready with a positive explanation for that move. And I'm not talking about just like making something up, but I think there are ways in which you can talk about the time you've taken away from work and use that time in order to grow your skills and grow yourself as a person. Just know that that question might come up in future interviews and you're going to want to be prepared to answer it well. Yeah, my impression is that in the coming year, uh, HR managers are going to maybe see a lot of applications that kind of have some gaps in them. <laughs> That's true. It's going to be the perfect time to take, <laughs> take yeah. that time off. And, and they'll just assume it was because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, but even still, the ability to talk about it positively, like you mentioned, Joel, and to show that it was a more of a proactive step that you took, in my mind, that puts her in a, in a much more positive light. Yeah, I agree. I have a lot of respect for someone who's living life on their own terms, who's marching to the beat of their own drummer. And uh, yeah, so much of that, though, comes down to, to framing how you talk about it. But it sounds like our listener here is going to have no trouble in her future endeavors, whether it's you know, starting her own business or whether it's going back to school or whether it's just finding another job in the corporate work environment, man. It sounds like her solid personal financial standing basically is going to allow her to go in any direction she wants to go. Yeah, totally. I mean, what she's two years out of college and has all all that money that she mentioned set aside, that's amazing. Obviously, too, she's living at home. It was able to save a ton of money. But yeah, make sure once restaurants open back up that you're uh, taking your parents out to dinner. Too. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's a sweet benefit for sure. No doubt. All right, Matt, let's get into career advice one more time on this podcast. This question is specifically about pursuing a job in insurance sales. Hey, Matt and Joel. My name is Devin. I love your show, and I've listened to every episode, even back when you guys had crappy podcasts, so you say. I'm from a small town in western PA that is home to the best brewery in PA, according to Breweries in PA. I know you're not in the career advisement business, but I wanted to get your two cents on a financial professional career. I am being pursued by a local professional to take the Series 7 and Series 66, among other exams. This would allow me to be a financial advisor, planner, and retirement planner. I would be selling term life insurance, building a client base, and receiving commission. I grew up in the town that I still live in, and I know quite a few people, and I'm fairly well respected, so I feel like I would be able to develop a client base. It just feels risky. I'm currently in an industry that is stable, but offers very little advancement and pay. What are your thoughts on these professionals? I'm concerned about it being too salesy, but the fellow encouraged me that they focus on the whole person and are not too pushy. It seems almost too good to be true. Why doesn't everybody do this if you can make so much money? Thanks for your thoughts. Bye. Hey, Devin, great to hear from you. And that's a great question that you're asking yourself. Why aren't more people doing this if you can make so much money? And oftentimes when it comes to sort of a sales pitch like this where somebody is pursuing you, obviously they're going to highlight the best case scenario 
And so it's up to you and up to us a little bit here now to kind of talk through and think through uh, all the different implications of what it would mean to sell insurance, right? Yeah, they're probably not going to be like, and you're going to work 75 hours a week. <laughs> they're <laughs> but, not going like, to let you in on that up front. But that might be the case. Uh, but, but before we get to that, Devin, too, I, th- I think the biggest thing that you need to consider is the future viability of direct insurance sales. Think through, like, how is it that you think people are going to buy insurance products these days and, and moving forward, right? With a, a plethora of sites making it easy for everyday folks to get an education about insurance. And then to shop for the lowest price among a dozen competing companies, it seems like the days of uh, individual insurance sales direct to consumers might be fading away. Yeah, and obviously it's still a thriving industry in some ways, but we've definitely seen a shift, right? Just like the internet has created a lot of change in many industries, insurance sales is another one that it's affecting. Yeah, it makes me think of like gasoline-powered vehicles versus electric-powered vehicles. It's like gasoline vehicles are still making a lot of money, right? Like they are still a big profit maker for auto companies. But they're also looking 15 years into the future saying that by, what, like 2035, we're going to be gasoline-free. At least in California. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're going to be purely focused on electric vehicles. And so it's kind of, it's it's just a matter of looking ahead a little bit. And does that mean that you couldn't have a career in this, you know, for the next 10 years? No, like you you definitely could make some real money. uh, But this is a a good kind of big picture view to take as you're thinking through this. All right. And let's talk about maybe some of the other things that Devin needs to consider. One, are you super self-motivated? Because I think having a strong network of people that you know who trust you is crucial if you're going to go down this path. Uh, it sounds like you've got that in spades, which is good. So so maybe in that regard, at least, you would be a good fit. This also reminds me, Matt, of the episode that we did talking about multi-level marketing. MLMs. MLMs. <laughs> and uh, obviously, term life insurance is a legit product. It's not one of those things that you're going to be hoodwinking people into buying, uh, like a set of LuLaRoe pants. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, I promise <laughs> this will look good on you. Uh, in, in reality, they don't look good on anybody. Okay, we all know that but you're such a hater (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying man from what i've seen they're not that good looking. I bet you would totally, work. dude. You, you think I? You dude, love patterns and colors. They don't even make them for guys, okay? <laughs> but if they did, you totally have some. All right, my alter ego, Jean Claude, would look really good in a pair. <laughs> totally. Uh, but yeah, so I think you are going to have to potentially have some of the the same uh, techniques as someone who would get involved in a multi level marketing company. You'll have to be comfortable initiating a conversation and be willing to bounce back quickly and start another one when you get shut down because. Devin, you're going to hear no a lot. You're going to get maybe doors shut in your face. And that's why, although potentially lucrative, a lot of salesmen don't stick with something like selling life insurance long term. It can be a little demoralizing. Yeah. And Devin, uh, you also need to be okay with eating what you kill, right? Caveman style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but folks selling life insurance often make a really small base salary. And then most of their income is actually based on the policies that they sell. And so it kind of depends on your personality. You know, some people might be totally okay with that. I've, I've not had a set predictable salary for the past 13 years. That's worked for us and for our family. But I think for some individuals, that isn't ideal, uh, to say the least. And one other thing too, make sure that you go to your state insurance commissioner's website to, uh, to see how that specific company uh, who's pursuing you, how they stack up. You don't want to you know, go work for a company that has poor ratings uh, and a bunch of complaints. Maybe they got a bunch of products that you don't like because you may be pressured into m- maybe selling those products as well. Yeah. And your company might also push you to using high pressure sales techniques to get people to sign on the dotted line um, in order to make the sale. And you don't want to be put in that position. So you want to make sure that the company that you're working for is above board and is well reviewed out there by consumers. Also too, let's talk about other options. If you're interested in helping people with their money as a career, 
it might just make more sense to go down the CFP path and work as something like a fee-only financial planner. That way, you're doing more than just insurance sales. Although advising on insurance for people would be a part of your job, people will continue to need the help of a financial planner for decades to come. So that could be the ideal place for you to land if you want to help people with their personal finances, their retirement plan, all that kind of stuff, and help folks with that holistic financial picture. It's also more of a long-term relationship that you're establishing with that customer, with that individual. And, and that can be more fulfilling, I think, when you're helping them for years and decades. You kind of get to know them and their family. Yeah, you get invited to weddings and things like that. Do you? If you're the finan- <laughs> You probably do if you're the financial that's, planner. That's, they show it on the commercials, at least. <laughs> so, like, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so Devin, think of all the weddings you'll get to go to if you go down that path instead. That's a lot of steak dinners. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I do think it, it, this is important for him to, to keep his options open like this, right? Like you don't want to necessarily just pigeonhole your career. I know like I've always enjoyed talking with folks about getting out of debt and, and kind of helping some folks through that. Even 15 years ago, that was something on my mind that I enjoyed, but I would have never dreamed that Joel, like you and I, that we would have a podcast where we were able to help way more folks than just the few people that I knew personally that I would talk to about it. And so all that to say, who knows where personal finance will be five, 10 years from now, folks might be making money and helping other individuals in all different kinds of ways. Yeah. So Devin, keep your options open and keep pursuing something that you think works for you. I wouldn't just let someone who pursued you and who uh, offered you a job and is trying to convince you to work in one specific industry, I wouldn't let that influence uh, what the career path you take for the next 10 years. Yeah, now is actually the perfect time to take some initiative yourself and do a little more digging, right? Like those classes that you're taking, who is funding those classes? Who gets a kickback when someone signs up for that class? Is it that guy <laughs> who's trying to get you to sign up for you know with his company? There's all sorts of questions to be asked here. And if you're looking down a career path where you're basically the one at the wheel, these are the kind of questions that you should start getting used to asking now. And it feels so nice when someone says, dude, you'd be great at this. Come join us. It, it feels awesome. Yeah, you, you feel recognized. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, you see me. Oh, this is something I would probably be good at, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think like sometimes that can cause people to say, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm in. Um, and, and not that that won't be the decision you end up making. And not that you don't have these skills, for right, sure. Right, exactly. You just need to be careful and make sure that you're making the decision that's best for you, your future, and your family. Totally. And, and not just because someone uh, picked you out of a crowd and said, come on, let's do this. So yeah, best of luck, Devin, as you make this decision. And let us know uh, what direction you end up going. All right, Matt, let's get back to the beer that we had on this episode. This one's called It's Tiki Time by Westbrook Brewing Company. What are your thoughts on this beer, man? This was a delicious beverage, and I say beverage because it doesn't really drink like a beer. <laughs> it drink, almost drinks like a like a tropical fruit juice smoothie, like a pina colada oh, or something. <laughs> so good, dude! The uh, the tropical fl- fruit flavors were all over the place. It felt like I was like kicking back in a hammock. There's bamboo everywhere, palm leaves kind of down on my face. It gets me a little bit excited about the the beach trip that you and I that we planned for our families that we're taking in July. I really did enjoy this one, man. What were your thoughts? Yeah, the only way this one uh, could have been better, I think, is if we were drinking it straight out of a coconut. Yeah. Uh, you know? It, it, <laughs> Hold if, the straw. Exactly. But yeah, it had spiced pineapple, passion fruit, and guava in this smoothie-style sour. Man, this was great, man. I, I don't think Westbrook makes a beer that I haven't enjoyed. Uh, I, I think we've had some of their beers on the show before. Oh, we've had a lot of their beers on the have show. Have we? Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, they might be leading the charge as to the, the, yeah, the most beers from any one brewery. Okay. Well, deservedly so, because Westbrook yeah, rocks. It's, it's good stuff. They make good stuff. And this is definitely one that if you find it uh, near where you live, it's worth picking up. It's called It's 
tiki time and it's delicious yeah it actually surprises me that it's a, a smoothie style because normally smoothie like what that means is there's a little bit of like lactose sugar in there and it kind of makes it kind of creamier yeah but in my mind this was so bright and i feel like that's what i liked about this is a lot of times these kind of tropical beers tend to like the sweetness from all the fruit can kind of just be like over cloyingly sweet uh and and like the flavors kind of just I don't know. They, they stack on top of each other and just doesn't hold up very well. Whereas this, it still breaks through and it's real kind of clean and shiny and bright. Because of that, I specifically really enjoyed this one. And I'm glad that you and I got to share this one together on the show, bud. No doubt, man. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. For folks that want show notes for this episode, just go to our website at howthemoney.com. And if you want to submit a question to be on a future Ask HTM episode, well, we would love to have your vocal cords hit the How to Money podcast. Ooh. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. It'll take you just a couple of minutes to send your question our way. Yeah, that's right. And if you have been listening to the show and you like it, <laughs> we would love it if you were to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a solid rating and review over there. Uh, if that is something that you have already done, we would be incredibly thankful if you let a friend or a family member know about the show. Maybe somebody you know who uh, enjoys personal finance uh, or maybe somebody you know who, who needs to maybe up their personal finance game. Either way, a big thank you in advance. So Joel, that's going to be it, buddy, for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.